I think that this is a time like no other and people are reacting from either a place of love or a place of fear. And people are so afraid of change and they're afraid of not having control and they're afraid of not knowing if something is safe or not or you know if this is the end of their life or not. This is this is a really serious come to Jesus time for us. Gina Maffa is a licensed clinical social worker and a cognitive behavioral therapist. She specializes in anxiety, trauma, and grief work, and helping her clients with challenging life transitions. Gina puts her entire heart into her work, helping her clients feel a deeper sense of connectedness with themselves, but also with others. Welcome to The Safe Haven. I'm your host, Amanda Lytle. The Safe Haven offers a collection of conversations about life's challenges and the pivots that we make in order to keep moving forward. In November, I heard an episode of NPR's Consider This podcast called Pandemic Fatigue Q&A, Mental Health, Processing the News, and Staying Occupied. So many of Gina's responses resonated with me to my core, and I reached out to her immediately. I finally felt after listening that I had a few answers for how I was feeling. In this very insightful conversation, Gina shares the early analysis of when the pandemic hit New York City, rapid changes in lifestyle, unsolved traumas surfacing in nearly everyone, and projected fears and anxieties everywhere. She enlightens us with many symptoms of anxiety and pandemic fatigue and offers suggestions on how we can be a little more understanding with ourselves and others by holding up a mirror. In a career that demands a large reserve of energy, Gina tells us about the full stop that she experienced before Christmas and the changes that she's implemented to look after herself and her personal well-being. We start with why trauma and grief work is important, now more so than ever. Trauma and grief work are at the forefront of everybody's mind right now because we have been enduring an unprecedented event globally whether it is through the loss of people, places, things, and the norm and safety through COVID, whether it has been through political unrest, people have been glued to their TVs, they're uncertain of the future, their entire nervous systems have been turned upside down. Life has become about life and death, survival, and getting through the day. And obviously, grief and trauma are really at the forefront there. I can imagine too, just even working through my own things that come up. And I mean, I'm this privileged white woman in a very small town in Canada. I can imagine that a lot of what people are going through are things that they didn't even realize were issues until these massive catalyst moments have happened. Are you experiencing that in your work that you're doing too? Absolutely. I think our world's got really small, really fast. Mm. And where we were able to keep a busy schedule and run around or, you know, stay connected to the point where we're actually disconnected to ourselves, you know, all of that came to a screeching halt. Mm -hmm. And before you know it, you're in, you know, stuck in these four walls with or without somebody that either makes you crazy Mm -hmm. or points out some of the things that are really very big going on. And it, you know, and everybody is going through a different experience of having lived through COVID and the quarantine. And, you know, I think for people who were not in therapy or were not 
self-aware, were not connected to their feelings or even aware that they had feelings that were difficult or complicated, they really did become incredibly apparent in those moments when fear came up and, you know, people were very afraid for their lives, especially in the beginning of the pandemic, because we didn't know what it was. We didn't understand it, especially here in New York, as it came here really first. We didn't understand what it looked like because it looked different for everybody. Leadership really couldn't give us anything to calm us because they didn't know and they were learning it as they went along. And when you don't have a semblance of leadership or an idea of how to control something that is invisible, you're literally faced with life and death. And in that moment, obviously, you're going to be thinking of your life, of moments that matter, moments that don't, people that matter, people that don't, decisions that matter, decisions that didn't. And you're really, really face to face with yourself as this existential human experience. When I listened to a podcast that you were on a while back on NPR, what really made me want to reach out to you was the topic of pandemic fatigue. Because I feel like with all of these things coming up and we're experiencing something that we've never experienced before, the term pandemic fatigue was actually new to me. And I feel like it answered a lot of my questions. Can you elaborate a bit on what pandemic fatigue is? Absolutely. And I want to be clear that it's going to look different for everyone. Mm -hmm. But moreover, on kind of the umbrella feeling of it, it is a deep exhaustion, listlessness. It can look like depression. It can look like anxiety. It can look like serious fear that, you know, when you're so afraid of something, but you're seeing it every day and you just can't see it anymore. It can look like trauma that you're flooded with all of these images, fears, you know, images of people, of the numbers of deaths and illnesses, such as what we're seeing through the media. But moreover, I call it a sense of listlessness. It's when people are also so deeply exhausted by the isolation and the fear that they even make decisions or take risks that would put themselves or others at risk simply for the idea that they can feel normal again that they can connect with another person, maybe hug someone, Mm -hmm. all the things that we took for granted before that we haven't been able to really do for almost a full year. And so it looks different depending on where you are. It looks different depending on your own history of mental health and mental illness. It looks different depending on how old you are, depending on your own actual medical history and medical health in the moment. People who are isolated already Now, then we forced them to be isolated for 10 months, Mm -hmm. put in major and massive fear in their brain that if they do one false thing, they're, they're kaput. Mm -hmm. And I mean, so I think we've been hearing the same thing. Masks, don't mask, mask. The leadership has been really confused and confusing. I think when people don't know what path to take, they don't know what the right thing is to do and they're confused, it sets off mass anxiety. And people start to really question what's real and what isn't real. So that's a pretty big, to me, it's a, it's an, a very overarching and generalized way of talking about pandemic fatigue. But I do believe that a lot of this is in there. Now, obviously, there is some pandemic denial, but that's something that we can get into at another time. Mm-hmm. I wanted to address something just even about anxiety. I've never identified as an anxious person. I've never really dealt with anxiety 
And even personally for myself, something that I found quite surprising was through this entire experience, it's almost a year coming up in March already, good gosh, some things that were starting to come up for me, I really started to question why I was reacting so quickly or why my emotions were just, they felt like they were all over the place and why I was having a hard time concentrating, why I did feel so tired even when I really did nothing that day or why I was so quick to anger or feel frustrated. And I don't typically deal with the negative emotions well. I just, I don't really know how to experience anger or feeling angry. So I would just kind of brush it off or try to suppress it. And the more I started to talk these things out towards the end of last year, friends of mine that are actually diagnosed with anxiety would be like, Amanda, it sounds like you're experiencing anxiety. And that was so new for me. So I recognize that anxiety can and will feel different for everybody. But for anyone listening, can you maybe elaborate a little bit on what anxiety could look like or feel like for different people? Absolutely. And you touched on it a lot. You know, the anger, it can look like anger. It can look Mm -hmm. like annoyance and frustration and short temperedness. It can look like deep fatigue, like not being able to get out of bed. It can look like appetite changes, whether you're hungrier, you find yourself craving more sugar just for comfort. It could look like not eating at all because you don't, you know, you're in such a state of fight or flight. It can obviously look like panic attacks, which is where you see something that triggers your heart rate and, you know, you feel as though you can't breathe. If you feel as though you can't Mm -hmm. catch your breath, there's a lot of physical symptoms associated with anxiety, whether you can sleep or not, whether you're sleeping too much, your sensitivity to light and sound. Anxiety is a huge, huge feeling that can really manifest differently for everyone. And I think if you find that you're feeling different, reacting differently, if you're noticing your sleep is off, your appetite is off, your ability to handle usual stressors that wouldn't have necessarily bothered you before, that's anxiety. But I want to also stress that, and this is for people that know a little bit about the nervous system, is that we have two parts of our nervous systems, the parasympathetic and the sympathetic, sort of at war in a way, because we were told that things were life and death and scary and so uncertain. And so our brains sort of pop us into this very fight or flight mode of, okay, so what do I have to fight? What do I have to go and tackle and conquer in order to stay alive? And then, you know, this other side of the parasympathetic nervous system, which is, you know, trying to restore calm and help us digest. And, you know, so we have that happening, you know, like, do I survive? Oh, self-care. You know, it's really basically at war with one another. If that doesn't make somebody feel nerve wracked, I'm not sure what would. Mm-hmm. So that's a long answer to your very wonderful question. <laughs> it was awesome. I think that's something that so many, so many of us are experiencing is trying to understand without judgment or trying to accept without judgment the beliefs, the actions and behaviors of other people, especially some of the ones that we love. Maybe you could elaborate a little bit on how we can just love and accept <laughs> those aspects of other people's lives that we may or may not agree with, just because I feel like the fear that's maybe coming out of us based on other people's behaviors, whether it's traveling or whether it's not wearing masks or whether it's not staying isolated or whatever, it can be hard to deal with. It can be hard to digest. So maybe you have some strategies on how we can just give ourselves grace and be gentle and kind to ourselves, you know, avoiding judgments on others. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, look, I think that this is a time like no other. And 
people are reacting from either a place of love or a place of fear. And people are so afraid of change and they're afraid of not having control. And they're afraid of not knowing if something is safe or not, or, you know, if this is the end of their life or not, this is, this is a really serious come to Jesus time for us Mm -hmm. in humanity. You know, for those of us who are taking the pandemic incredibly seriously, or whether it's, or other events very seriously, and, and by seriously, I mean, following protocol and taking care of our health and keeping ourselves safe and others safe in return by wearing masks. I think that, you know, what can I chalk that up to is a little bit of both, right? Like we're also in a fear-based response. Mm -hmm. And so I think what I've said before, and I'll, I'll sort of say it again, is we have to hold a mirror up to ourselves and to others, which is, I see how the fear is manifesting in you and the fear is manifesting on in you by making you want to do everything possible to deny that this is happening or to do everything that's possible to deny that it can really affect you. And everyone else around you is the, is the one that are the people who may be the ones affected, but not you. And that is nothing more than serious, extreme fear. Mm. When we come to a place of grace, as you call it, or I call it sort of a deep understanding of how people register change and register fear and register life and death, it's very American of us, right? You know, we push things, you know, under the rug, we deny, we do everything but want to feel our feelings and see the truth for what it is. We come around to things a little bit slowly sometimes, especially when it comes to death and grief and potential grief. I would say though, and this is such a good but also very hard question, is that for us to be able to find empathy and say, I see that we're sort of in the same place we're just executing our fear differently. That's that's an incredible point. That is that's really well articulated. I think that that's really powerful actually. And I loved how you said of even just holding up a mirror to yourselves but also to others and based on behaviors reflecting or projecting fears. I I I'd never really thought of it that way. That's really that's really incredible. Thank you. I mean, look, most people are doing the best they can right mm-hmm. now. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Most people could do better, mm-hmm. <laughs> but those people who aren't do be- doing better, to me, it's that they're in a state of extreme fear and this is how, this is how it's expressed. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you about self-care. Now, I know enough about self-care and self-love that self-care for everyone will look a little bit different. I mean, what works to fill up my cup won't necessarily fill yours or vice versa. But I'm wondering if you could offer a couple suggestions that maybe people have heard and maybe they haven't as to how people could maybe try something new, feeling super isolated, feeling lost, maybe feeling fearful or just that listlessness that you had mentioned earlier. What are some things that maybe with your clients you really recommend that they try? First, I always say this. Self-care, like you said, is different for everyone. But what I think that we could say would be useful for everyone is boundaries. We have to learn to say no. We have to learn to limit our exposure to things that feel overwhelming, anxiety-producing, whether that is closing the tabs that you have open (laughs) on your laptop (laughs) that connect you to Twitter and the New York Times because you know it's 
there and you can just easily peek over and say, you know, what has been tweeted now? That's a boundary, right? You, you need to put that boundary up with yourself. We need to know what the line is that we draw in the sand for ourselves that say, okay, this is okay. But if I cross this line, I have, oh, I have overstepped my own limitations and the adverse effects on that are going to be really consequential for me in a negative way. And that may mean I now I've woken myself up by looking at that tab and I have my stomach, my stomach is sick. I'm having butterflies in my stomach and I'm feeling this ominous feeling all over my body. My back is killing me. I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight, right? We could say that week after week after week, day after day, because it seems that the media continues to bombard us with these sensationalized accounts of what's going on in the world. And yet we are the captains of our own ship. So I can allow in however much time I think I can handle and still maintain my sense of centered groundedness and equilibrium. And if I do more than that, that's on me. Mm -hmm. And that's not caring for myself. So I would say, and this is probably not news to a lot of your listeners because they're all very Mm self-aware, but, but boundaries, 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 whether it's for yourself or a loved one, you know, if your mother is calling you and she doesn't believe in masks, you know, with love, you know, I can't talk more than three minutes because I'm in the middle of something. Hey, mom, maybe we can, we're not going to talk about that. That really upsets me and that upsets you. And we're not going to talk there because that doesn't lead us to a sense of connection. Mm-hmm. And sure, are we brushing it under the rug? Not really, because it's not like your mom doesn't know that she should be wearing a mask. This isn't your mom, Amanda, obviously. <laughs> <I know. laughs> My mom loves her mask. <laughs> right, right. My mom would love her mask. Um but anyway, it's it's just the boundaries that we need to have. And that can mean, you know, closing the media off, the news, giving yourself very, very limited time to see what's going on. So that's one thing I really, really, I can't stress it enough. Something else that I really love is the idea of rituals. In a time when things are incredibly uncertain, you know, people working from home, time management is a little bit in the gray area these days. You know, we can get up and graze and snack and watch a Netflix show between meetings, whatever it may be. And that seems well and great, except what it does is it really does throw us off. And it does make us feel a little bit less centered and a little bit less grounded. So what I like to do is start your day off with something, right? Whether it's a an uplifting podcast or a playlist that you make for yourself every Sunday to start the week off right. Um, whether it's a really beautiful cup of tea, I'm really into teas right now. And so I'm sort of ordering them from all over the world. And it's it's my morning treat to myself. And it's become a really beautiful ritual. I, you know, I'm really mindful with the way that I'm creating this breakfast and this tea and just a beautiful way to start out the day that will be unpredictable at best. You know, I'm a therapist, so there's a lot of a lot of deep, hard, painful feelings out there. So it's I'm imagining that everybody's got some job or some task to do that feels really hard right now. So it's creating a ritual that can keep you very, and I've used the word a lot here now, but centered with being able to then handle feelings that come, right? If we're not centered and we're sort of all frazzled from the moment we wake up, it's going to be a little bit harder for us to tackle the feelings that come up, whether they're annoyances or, you know, very unpredictable things that come up. It'll be harder to regulate our emotions around that. Mm -hmm. 
You mentioned something a little bit earlier about just self-awareness and just recognizing that if I open this tab or if I listen to this podcast or if I, whatever, follow this Twitter account, my back starts to hurt. I start to feel anxious. I get a headache, you know. That self-awareness is so key. And I kind of wanted to spiral back to something that you mentioned before we started recording. When I asked you, have you had any of those moments where you had to pivot or stop or reflect to put yourself first? Can you talk a bit about the full stop that you had to make before Christmas? Yeah. And it was really surprising. You know, everybody has their own way of filling themselves back up. For for me and my family, it's travel. And, you know, I obviously, there hasn't been travel this year. So I noticed that right before Christmas, I was having a lot of really physical effects um, with sitting in front of Zoom for 12 hours a day. Um, I wanted to still give back to the community, whether it was Instagram or my own actual community of clients, but I didn't know that I had anything left to give. So I took 10 days off. Now the holidays and Christmas were involved in that and the new year, but I was walking along the Hudson River and um, I just was thinking like, what do I do to fill back up? And for me, and everybody's different, but for me, I feel my best when I'm giving, But when I don't feel like I have anything left to give, that really affects me. And so in this way, with the one-on-one sessions, I knew I couldn't give anymore for at least two weeks. So I did did listen to that and I took this time off. Um, But what happened was, is I sort of got this almost spiritual moment walking by the river that was like, you can give back by sending a daily message out every single day via text or email. And, you know, I've called them, you know, pep talks and pick me ups that I send out by email or by, you know, by text message. It just started. It just launched. The idea came to me because I actually made room for it to come to me. I stopped everything and literally had a walking meditation and allowed that moment in and I needed it. I wasn't going to be able to continue, but I just in that, just in that walk, just in the idea coming to me the way that it did, knowing that I made the space for that idea to come by clearing out the other thoughts for a moment, re-energized me in a way that I haven't felt energized in a long time. And in turn, I can give back to an even bigger community. So um, I don't know who's listening, but if you're if you're listening and you want a daily message, it's a little pep talk from my heart to yours. It's a little mini message of encouragement, motivation, comfort. Um, you can just go to the link in my bio on my Instagram page and sign up right then and there, and you'll get something every day. But that really, I needed that. And it's, I'm, I'm so excited about it. I might be so excited. People are like, Gina, like simmer down on your pep talk excitement. Like it's, and everything, but like, really, you're like way too excited on this. But I knew that I was ready to come back to work after the new year and that I had filled myself up also by the idea of giving in a different way. And that may be different for everybody. You know, before that, I was like baking cookies every weekend and eating most of them. And you know, like, if not all of them at times, I didn't share. And, um, you know, so, and what, you know, binging Netflix, just like the the rest of us, you know, and that's actually okay. And I want people to know that that's okay to do until it doesn't feel okay anymore. And then we have to start looking to see what's next for us and how we can actually continue to stay connected to the human race and, and other people, because it's very easy to get stuck in your own cocoon Mm -hmm. during this time. So, so thank you for letting me share that though. Oh, I could talk to you all day, honestly. I know, me too. I need to grab your socials too. So where can people find you online? 
Sure. I am on Instagram at Gina Maffa LCSW. I'm also on Facebook with the same name, <laughs> Gina Maffa LCSW. And my website is ginamaffa.com. It's a whole lot of Gina Maffas in there. <laughs> the best Gina Maffa. <laughs> I mean, if you're not sick of Gina Maffa by the end of those three announcements. Oh, I love this. I have my three safe haven style questions for you. You ready? I'm excited. What are you most proud of? Oh, Ooh, these are hard. Mm-hmm. Ooh, you got me on this one. <laughs> I feel most proud of the people that I'm working with that so gracefully and so courageously keep going day after day and showing up to therapy to do the work and the people on my Instagram community who show up and engage and support. I'm proud of the other therapists that show up and the teachers and the healers and the doctors and all of the the people out there giving. I'm proud of us that Mm -hmm. we keep going and showing up. I think we're all having a, a real like come to the light moment where we we see how vital human connection is. And so I'm proud of all of us. That is such a a beautiful answer. And you know what, my friend, a lot of the moving forward that they are doing spirals back to the inspiration and the work that they're doing with you. So like, I wish I could hug you. You're doing incredible things. I'm taking your virtual hug. (laughs) And you too, with your students, don't minimize that. And your podcast, obviously. <laughs> I appreciate that. You said that like a bourgeoisie. And your podcast, <laughs> which is reaching millions and millions and millions of people, if not today, in 30 days. This is my goal. <laughs> what would you like to be known for? Kindness. Kindness in, in, in community. And if you had a message for everyone listening, what would it be? Hold on, hold on, keep hope alive, stay connected to the people who care, stay connected to yourself, know that it's, it's going to be hard for a while, but you've gone through worse and we can get through this together. I appreciate you and your time so much, Gina. Thank you. I'm so, so glad we connected. Amanda, I want to thank you so much for what you're doing for the community, both in Canada and in the United States, for your beautiful, gentle, wide open heart that you share with so many people. It has been a light to know you. I can't wait for our friendship to grow, but I can't wait to see this podcast grow because you are a safe haven. And I'm so grateful to be here and know you. Thank you so, so much for that. I really appreciate it. From my heart to yours. Oh. Gina, thank you so much for joining me on The Safe Haven. You are such a ray of sunshine, and I cannot wait for this world to be safe enough that you can travel up to the mountains or I can travel down and have the real New York City experience with you. I'm definitely bringing my sister because she surprised me for my 30th by taking me there years ago. To everyone listening, I recognize the privilege that comes with my platform, and I am committed to creating a safe, brave, and inclusive space with intention. If this episode has hit you right in the heart or inspired you in any way, please screenshot the screen while you're listening, send it to all of your friends and share it in your Instagram stories. Please be sure to tag us at the Safe Haven Podcast so that we can personally thank you for it. 
If you're able to write a review or leave a juicy five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, that really helps this podcast grow. For more great podcasts, check out FrequencyPodcastNetwork.com and I will talk to you next week.